Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us this weekend. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander, looking wonderful in a, a, a sweater. Bill, you always have the best sweaters. It's good to well, see you. Well, you know, they're comfortable. Just go ahead and call me Mr. Rogers. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're about as friendly as Mr. Rogers, I'll give you that. And quite smart, too. Bill, you know, we're going to get to uh, loads of asset protection items today. But we wanted to start out talking about, well, you know, for those of us who pay attention to the markets, it's it's been a bumpy few weeks. Uh, well, this past week, uh, for darn sure, um, and of course, uh, m- most people know that I do have a financial advisory hat that I wear, and I do help some of my clients as it relates uh, to uh, finances uh, and stock market and, and funds and the like. Uh, but this is a particular time um where, uh, you know, basically people who have a, uh, their money in the stock market, you know, whether it's a retirement fund or uh, a four, you know, 401k, an IRA, or they're just regular investments. Um, this has been a stomach churning time. Uh, and so uh, while I'm not trying to give any particular advice, but just some general comments as it relates to the fact that this week has been a particularly volatile time. Uh, and I would say, having read um, a, a great deal uh, of the reports, at least of the folks that I think are reliable, uh, and, and so what I would say as it relates to that is to, to those folks who have a good financial advisor, the, uh, you know, not everybody has an advisor. There are a lot of folks out there that do their own thing, and a lot of them are very successful at that, and I'm, you know, not against that at all. But the fact is, is that uh, for those who have an advisor and have a plan, the most important thing to do when you recognize that uh, things uh, go down and they go up and down and up and down is to stick with their plan. You know, that uh, whatever plan they came up with, uh, it it will be a good, hopefully, for them, it will be the right plan. I mean, that's part of having a good financial advisor that can keep you on track. And, you know, the other thing that I do talk about from time to time is the fact that there are an awful lot of folks out there uh, where annuities are not actually appropriate investments for them. I mean, there are folks out there where they are appropriate, and I'm all, you know, I have nothing against them when it's for the appropriate party. But what I would say is this is the time when the folks who push annuities push them harder. You know, they're, they're the time that are basically saying you, you don't want to lose money in the market by annuities. And I would say be very, very cautious. Be, make sure that the reason that you're buying the annuity is appropriate to you. And Oftentimes, people do not realize the fact that from an elder law perspective, annuities, because of the penalties, if you have to get your money out, can actually work against you. So you have to be real careful. Uh, And so for, you know, 
um, oftentimes people do not consult with an elder law attorney before they're convinced that they should buy an annuity. And I would say that folks would be well served to talk to an elder law attorney, particularly uh, uh, those seniors where um, they may not outlive the penalty period. You know, those are, are precarious times for a lot of seniors. But, you know, obviously uh, what I would say is I think uh, that most folks who are well in tuned with the market understand that the markets will be extra volatile uh, the first two quarters of this year. And January has been very much that way. When you see the market drop a thousand points and come back and end up in the green, that tells a story right there. And that happened this week. So that's what you call extraordinary volatility. And and it's not going to stop this week. It's The markets are going to continue to go up and they're going to continue to go down. The good news is, just like what happened this week, the, the typically the market uh, over time will go up more than it goes down. So when the market drops, that is not, when you come in late after the market drops, that is not the time to sell. It's the time to stay put. You just have a paper loss. And the people who lose money are those who sell after the market has dropped considerably. Uh, and so for most people, I would say I would encourage you to stay put with your plan, stay in. Hopefully, you know, now for me, I like funds that are less risky, ones uh, that um, that have hedges, I guess, against losses, because at least for me, it's more important not to lose money. Now, without annuities, I'm not talking about that type of of thing, but not to lose money and to try to with the with your plan to while the when the market's going up to ride be able to ride most of that profit up so lose less on the downside stay up with what the market does on the upside and over time you're going to outperform everybody uh, even with a less risky investment I, I think that for a lot of folks not everyone that that is really an excellent strategy and that's what I do for myself personally so it's the kind of thing where uh, when, um, when you can have some investments that are not tied to, um, to the market itself, uh, that helps. Uh, you know, those are the kind of things with hedges. And I'm not talking about options and that sort of thing, but those are the types of funds that can help. But for those folks who have a good plan, the most important thing is to stick with that plan and not to sell when the market drops. That's why I talk about how important it is to have a safety bucket uh, where a lot of folks should have thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars, and some folks even more than that, in the bank, uh, not at risk at all, so that when the market drops and you need to buy something, uh, you know, you, you know, we all have emergencies every year. Some are worse than others. I mean, 
Uh, but anybody who's lived a long life knows that something bad happens every year. So, <laughs> you know, whether it's you have a big car repair or you need a new vehicle or you have a, a roof that you have to replace or an HVAC or something is pulling on you, the fact is you need a safety bucket to cover those extraordinary expenses that are not the normal pay-with-your-normal-income type of of things, that's where your safety bucket comes in because if the market is volatilely down at that time when you need some money, you don't want to take your money out of the market during those times. You want your investments to ride back up with the uh, investment. And if you take your money out of the market, then you've had a real loss and you're not there when the market goes back up. So that's where you have to be really, really careful as it relates to uh, what you do. But your safety bucket is something that we all need to have. And that safety bucket allows us to put our investments at a medium risk, if you will, uh, so that it will perform well. And, And so for what I would say is for those folks who have that, uh, stomach issue this week uh, just realize that it's not so bad and that just to stay with your plan <laughs> that's great advice and <clears throat> it can be difficult to do at times but uh, you're exactly right bill that holding strong through these turbulent times tends to be the best course of action hey don't forget if you want to schedule an appointment to speak with bill or if you want to learn more about bill's free webinars the next set is happening on wednesday february 9th go over to wgalaw.com there you can schedule an appointment to speak with bill or learn more about the webinars by clicking on the seminars button at the top of the page if you want to learn more about the subjects of long-term care assistance financial assistance that may be available to you through medicaid and va benefits and many other ways go to wgalaw.com click on the seminars button at the top of the page or if you want to learn more about asset protection and trust planning bill has a webinar dedicated to that as well it's free to register free to attend and highly educational go to wgalaw.com and click on the seminars button at the top of the page a quick break and back with more you're listening to asset protection today with attorney bill alexander and we will be right back You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Don't forget, you can always learn more about Bill by going to WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. Bill, last week we spent a lot of time talking about uh, how to mess up an estate plan and boy there were a lot of ways that you could actually do that but we want to spend some time today focusing on well how to avoid messing up an estate plan. absolutely i think that is so important um so the the first thing i want to make sure that folks understood from last week if they were listening and if not then take it in this week 
is the fact that estate planning is much more than simply going to a lawyer uh, and signing a will or signing a trust. That, in a lot of ways, is the beginning of your plan, not the end of your plan. And the fact is that estate planning has several pieces to it, and signing your documents, of course, until you sign your documents, you don't have a plan. (laughs) Okay, so whatever your plan is, the most important thing for you to understand is that how you own your property, you know, the title, you know, who's, how is it titled, who owns it, and how is it owned, and has to merge with your will or trust so that your planning, your actual planning, will work. So anyone that has um, something, I mean, a good will, and particularly a good trust, is going to have lots of contingency planning in it. And what I mean by that, by contingency, is that you have to recognize that life throws us a lot of curves. You know, things happen that are unexpected. People become disabled. They they die unexpectedly. Uh, before their time, you know, if you will. Um, and so our planning very well may, when I'm, I mean, a lot of folks, you know, our first goal is take care of ourselves, take care of our spouse, and then hopefully build a nest egg that will be meaningful to our children and grandchildren. I mean, that's where the majority of us are anyway in terms of our planning. And so if you're younger and have young children, obviously, you don't want your children, um, if they're minors, to to have to go to the courthouse to to have some money. Uh, you, in other words, you're not. You don't want a direct distribution to them. If they're young, you don't want them to have control of their money. So, folks with younger children, whether it's in a will or or, or a revocable trust, should have. Uh, named a, a guardian to take care of their their children, the person who actually takes them in and embraces them and ha- feeds them and has them at their house. But just as importantly, someone, and it may not be the same person, to be the trustee over their money and ha- the person who has a fiduciary duty uh, under the law to invest their money wisely and to support their children through whatever age the parents want the trust to last. And actually, most of my clients want a trust to last until children are in their late 20s. 20, you know, 25, 28, 30 is a very common age for a trust to last for uh, children. Uh, so, uh, And then most of us, even when the trust terminates, we don't want our children to get their hands on all of the money right up front, knowing that a lot of folks are not ready to manage money at that point. So we want, you know, to spread it out over maybe six years to get several different distributions or the like. And that's the kind of thing that can change. Well, the same thing's true when we're at the other end and we're seniors and we want contingency planning, so we may need to protect our spouse uh, or we want to do asset protection planning for our children. So our 
planning documents incorporates these contingencies. Okay, now, that's the primer. Uh, so what, what, where do, how, the fact is, is that, and this is where people mess up, is, and, and there's a cure, if you will, and that is the fact that your bankers and your financial advisors often think the best thing that they can do for you is to avoid probate. So they ask you to sign beneficiary designations under their contract. Uh, now, if you do that at the bank or if you do that with your investment advisor, and most investment advisors do the very same thing, guess what? Those contracts will trump your will or your trust so that all of that good planning gets abolished. And so the, what you've paid for your planning doesn't work anymore. Well, that's not the result you want. So, and here's the thing that you have to recognize. I, you know, I've been practicing law for over 45 years, and most of those years has been in estate planning, trust planning, tax planning, uh, and with asset protection planning, Medicaid, special needs, and the like. Well, guess what? In those 45 years, I've never been called once by a banker saying, your client, Mr. Smith, is here, and I want him to sign a beneficiary designation on his bank accounts. Will that mess up his estate plan? I, and, of course, it would in almost every case for me, but I've never had that call. And the fact is I do get calls uh, frequently from financial advisors, but it's never about – should they have a beneficiary designation before we even know what the plan is? And the fact is, is that when you do a beneficiary designation, it has to be done in a way that's consistent with your estate plan, whatever that is. Because most people do have contingencies in their will that they want uh, as a part of their planning. And that's true whether it's a will or a trust. So guess what? In order to have a good estate plan, it's helpful if you have your documents, your estate planning documents done first, okay? <laughs> and then if uh, the banker or the investment advisor, uh, well, I, I would say this in that case, because most of us already have accounts set up, uh, at the bank and with our investments before we ever talk to a lawyer about estate planning, that, again, you have to go back after you have a plan to make sure that what you have done with your banker and your investment advisor and your insurance advisor are all consistent with what your plan is. But if you already have a plan in place, and uh, then... then uh, if somebody says, we'll do this, you know, sign this document here because we think that this is in your best interest, even though they have no clue what your plan is, then that's when you say, well, I have an estate planning attorney. Will, will you call my attorney or, or will you review my 
uh, will or trust to make sure that what you're advising is not inconsistent with it. And of course, they're going to throw their hands up when you do that. So, but the fact is, is that you need to make sure that what you do outside of your documents with your will and or your trust agreement is consistent with those things. I mean, that's the reason that more people mess up their plans than have it get it right. And I don't like that. I want a plan that absolutely works the way you think it works and is consistent with what you want so that you can leave your property to the your loved ones the way you want it left to them uh, at the time you want it, them to have it and, and structured in the way that you want them to have it. And a good plan will do that. Formulating a good plan is key, but also making sure that it is executed properly and you don't step on any of these landmines that can undo the best of plans. That's why it's important to have an elder law attorney on your side that can look at all this and make sure that everything is working in order so that your plan is in working order. If you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill, maybe you've got some documents already and want those reviewed, or maybe you want to set up a plan of your own, go to wgalaw.com and schedule an appointment to speak with Bill, or you can call the office 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000 or online at wgalaw.com. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. Don't forget, go to WGALaw.com if you want to learn more about Bill or about his free webinars. The next set is happening on Wednesday, February 9th. If you want to learn more about asset protection and trust planning, you can do that for free. Just go to WGALaw.com. Dot com and click on the seminars button at the top of the page. It's free to register and free to attend. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. All you need is a device with an internet connection and an email address and you're good to go. Or if you want to learn more about long-term care assistance, financial assistance that may be available to you as well, go to wgalaw.com, click on the seminars button and Click on that morning session there for the long-term care assistance educational session that Bill has. It's Again, it's free to attend, and it's a wonderful way to learn more about some very important information. Well, Bill, we're, uh, before the show, you mentioned a, a knee-jerk reaction that folks tend to have to asset protection. Let's get into that. You know, uh, as you've just stated, one of my webinars is on asset protection and and the things that you can do to that work uh, to protect your assets. And uh, Jason, one of the things that blows my mind is the idea that uh, that some people embrace. And I try, you know, from my own perspective, it's an anti-asset protection 
uh, uh, situation, but they embrace the idea that the way to protect their property is to give it to their children. Give it to them now while we're alive, and that way, if we need care in the future, we don't have to worry about Medicaid estate recovery. Well, from my perspective, that's the dumbest idea that anybody can ever do. Uh, And there are so many reasons why it's a dumb idea. And if you're one of the folks out there who say, well, I've been thinking about doing that, (laughs) then please don't. You know, it's the kind of thing where uh, there are ways to structure things and, and, and give good asset protection. But there is so much risk in transferring property to your children if it's not done under the watchful eye of a uh, of a good planning attorney with a trust involved it almost always is a very very bad idea the first thing is that for most folks there's a much higher risk with your children than they are with you because number one your life is relatively settled. You're not a risk taker. You know, you hardly drive anymore or you don't drive a lot. Your, your children are the risk takers, not you. They're the ones out there that could end up in an accident, could end up in a divorce, could end up in all sorts of uh, problems. Uh, they, or they may not be good money managers themselves or they may not... Um, uh, they may have creditor problems themselves, or they may think, oh, it won't be a problem if I take $30,000 to do this. I'll pay it back. Sure. <laughs> you know, the fact is, is that you, if you give it away, you lose control of it when you need it. And so many folks don't realize that there are a lot of health care needs where there is no government assistance. You need your money to be able to pay for that care. Do you really want to depend on your children to pay for your care? And you, you know, the fact, the truth is none of us really want that. Uh, but the, the, but the point I'm trying to make is, is that the only time you have to worry about, uh, Medicaid estate recovery is if you ever apply for Medicaid. And the fact is that a high percentage of us will never, ever go on Medicaid for lots and lots of different reasons. Now, you know, I've, I talk about the fact that, yes, uh, just about any middle-class family with money in the bank and real estate and the like, I can get them on Medicaid fairly quickly and protect their assets. So if you have a good estate planning attorney who can do that, why would you give it away and have all of the risks involved uh, with it? Because property can be protected as long as you have a good attorney helping you uh, with that problem. And, of course, uh, if you need your money to pay for long-term care services at your house or in assisted living where you're not eligible for Medicaid, uh, then guess what? It, it's kind of thing where you need your money. And, and um, 
Somebody's got to pay for it. And, of course, you, you know, most of us do not want to be a burden on our children. We, you know, we hope we leave something to them. That's a different issue. But, but on the other end of that, we don't want to be a financial burden. And most of us don't want to be a physical burden on our children either. Uh, so all of that makes a difference. But the other things is there's some huge tax issues. And I'm not talking about gift tax for having given it away, because most of us can could give everything we own away several times or more without ever have, paying a nickel in gift tax. So it's not a gift tax issue. You know, do you know what our exemption is right now for gift taxes, Jason? It's it's something astronomical, Bill. It is. It is over twelve million dollars. So you know, if you have a normal estate, you could give it away five or six times, and never have to pay a penny. Now, do you have to file a gift tax return if you give away you know a few million dollars? Yes, of course you do, uh, but you don't have to pay any tax. You just have to file a return. And uh, for those who don't know, the uh, exemption on annual gift tax uh, exemption also went up this year. From last year, it was $15,000 for gifts to any person you want to give it to without having to file a gift tax return. This year, the number went from 15000 to $16,000. So we can give a child or a grandchild up to $16,000 in value or in cash and not have to file a gift tax return for that gift. And, of course, we can do that to as many people as we want to give it to. We just can't go over $16,000 to any one individual other than our spouse. You know, But to our children, grandchildren, uh, we can't go over that without filing a gift tax return. But it's $16,000 now. Okay, so the fact is, is if you make an absolute gift of your property, you, your child or grandchild, whoever receives the property, if you've given high base, you know, if you've given highly appreciated property, which obviously if you give your house or farm away, generally, uh, or if you've held some stock for many years, you are giving low basis highly appreciated property and when you give an absolute gift you give that person your tax basis in the property now the difference is if you die and leave property to your loved ones at death that take tax basis the income tax basis of that property normally increases to the fair market value at the date of death. Now, the, I said normally because if your property actually went down in value, then there's a step down in basis, but that's very rare. Uh, it's almost always where the basis increases significantly at your death, and the new basis is the fair market value at the date of your death. So if your family wants to sell the house, sell the farm, or sell that uh, Microsoft stock that is, you know, you know, gone up a thousand times in value uh, at your death. They can without paying any income tax. There's no capital gain if if what you sell it for is the same as what your income tax basis is. So. 
that's the advantage of a step up in basis, which is very easy to lose if you don't have good planning when you transfer property. So, um, you know, obviously for most people, we would rather receive the money as an inheritance if it's highly appreciated property. So that's, um, uh, now you don't have to worry about that with a cash gift because cash doesn't have a basis to it. It's just worth what it's worth. <laughs> it's sometimes worthless, but <laughs> it's, but it is what it is. So uh, that, you know, the again, have a plan, have a trust, don't give the property away. That, I, I mean, I can... T- tell you some horror stories about folks who gave it away to a child or children and then regretted it after the fact. You can see why Bill, uh, his skin crawls with the idea of just giving all your stuff away. So if that is something you have considered or maybe you want to look into a plan, schedule an appointment to speak with Bill. Go online to WGALaw.com. That's WGALaw.com. Or call 919-256-7000, 919-256-7000. Or maybe you want to dip your toe a little bit into asset protection. A good way to do that is to attend one of Bill's free webinars. The afternoon session deals with asset protection and trust planning. Again, just go to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button at the top of the page. It's free to do so. It's free to attend, free to register, and it's highly educational, and you'll learn a ton. And if you're also interested in learning more about uh, long-term care assistance that may be available to you for those dealing with a long-term care crisis, Bill has a morning session dedicated to that. You hear us talk about that so often on the program. But the next way to attend one of Bill's webinars is happening on Wednesday, February 9th. Go to WGALaw.com and click on the seminars button at the top of the page. We're taking a quick break, but we'll be right back. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Don't forget you can learn more about him at WGALaw.com. WGALaw.com. That's where you can go if you want to schedule an appointment to speak with Bill or if you want to learn more about his free webinars, go to WGALaw.com. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And, Bill, we were just having a discussion about why – a knee-jerk reaction to asset protection might be giving away all your property, and that's uh, generally a terrible decision, and you you referenced it at the beginning of last segment. It's it's due to a a loss of control. Well, that loss of control is one of the issues. It's not the only issue, but it's an important one. And I'll give a good example of that. Uh, And this happened early on when I started doing Uh, financial assistance for long-term care issues and started helping people with Medicaid and special assistance and veterans benefits uh, to help people in those uh, situations. And of course, you know that I have a webinar that relates to uh, Medicaid and those issues. But I had a client 
who was a widow, but she and her husband, when her husband was alive, uh, deeded a, uh, an interest in their home. They only had one piece of real estate. That was their home. Uh, and they retained a life estate, a joint life estate for husband and wife. Uh, and, of course, the only reason they did it was the fear that they would need uh, Medicaid and they wanted to protect their house, and they thought that was a good way to protect it by basically deeding the house to one. Uh, and this case was sort of weird because it was one of two children that she and they, but they transferred the house to one daughter uh, who later got married. Uh, uh, but and the, the dad died. Uh, never needed Medicaid, and of course, at that point, the uh, the wife still had a life estate in the house, and she was living there. But she was getting older and needed assistance. And the fact is, is that uh, she was an unfortunate person. That happens frequently, where her income meant that she was not eligible for a program for assisted living called special assistance. So. Her, she was over the income cap, not eligible, okay, but she needed help. She needed assistance, okay? There was only two ways. She was out of money. There was only two ways that she could afford the assistance she needed. She either needed to sell her house and move to assisted living or mortgage her house, you know, uh, and there's several ways of doing that, but in essence to borrow money on the security of her home so that she would have money to pay caregivers to take care of her. Uh, uh, one or the two, that, those were the only options for her. Well, guess what? They had lost control because they transferred the ownership of the home to their daughter subject to the life estate. And when mom asked her to help her basically let her sell the house, the daughter refused. That you know, Was it the daughter? Was it the daughter's husband? Don't know, because both would have to sign. But the fact is, daughter said, sorry, can't do it, not going to do it, knowing that she would inherit the house upon mom's death. And I guess she knew that her mother would die sooner if she didn't get the help she needed. But the bottom line is, that's what you call loss of control. I try. I threatened that daughter every way. From but the bottom line is, I couldn't do a thing about it. Uh, the fact is, she owned the remainder interest in the house, and she wasn't willing to give it up. Well, those are the kinds of things that could happen. Now you're out there saying, "Well, my daughter would never do that." Uh, but the fact is, it could have been the daughter's husband that refused. But the Frankly, when you, you you're responsible if you give it away and lose control, so that is something that shoots. Now I want to end the program, or at least another concept that I haven't talked about before, and it's one that's very interesting. Uh, it's it's called a community property trust. Now it's not about giving your money to the community. It's <laughs> It's the, the concept of community property. You've probably heard about it with all of the divorces in California because California is a community property state. Okay, now, uh, the fact is, is we don't have this in North Carolina, so if somebody's interested in it, we would have to go to another state to do it. And those folks who've listened to me know 
that I really do like Tennessee. Tennessee has some wonderful statutory concepts that are very helpful to their citizens that we don't get to enjoy in North Carolina. But Tennessee has what's called an opt-in community property statute, which means I can create a trust in Tennessee with the help of a Tennessee lawyer. I'm not licensed in Tennessee. But I do this for a number of my uh, clients, um, not the community property trust, but other trusts that we do in in Tennessee. But Tennessee just enacted a community property statute opt-in. So in essence, you can create a community property trust for yourself in Tennessee with a Tennessee trustee. Uh, administrative trustee. You you can still you know control your investments and your spending and those kind of things. But why does that help you? Well, the one advantage. Now, this is only for folks who are married. It doesn't help somebody who's single. Um, but the fact is, if you have highly appreciated property uh, and you don't want to have to worry about between you and your spouse how you own the property and who dies first because most of us who are married um, each spouse has a one-half interest in most of our property well with community property you get a full step up in basis you know i was talking about step up in the last segment and how helpful that is well for instance, let's say you have a thousand shares of Microsoft stock, and you don't want to worry about who dies first, and you want more than a one-half step up when people die. You know, when the first spouse dies. If it were community property, you'd get t- two full step ups: once for the spouse. When the first spouse dies, the other spouse would get a 100% step up, no capital gains on selling and diversifying that that Microsoft stock. You would only get a half step up in North Carolina. So obviously there's a huge tax savings uh, in a community property type trust. Now you don't need that for property that's not highly appreciated. But for those of us who have highly appreciated property and we would like a full step up, no matter who dies first, then the community property statute is a solution to making that happen. And, of course, it wouldn't be worth doing unless it was extremely highly appreciated and you wanted to be able to sell it at the first death in order to diversify it or, or for other purposes, you know, because you might need the money. And, and it gives you the opportunity to do it in a tax-free environment. And anytime you can save taxes, that's asset protection, folks. <laughs> and that's what we like to do, asset protection. If you want to learn more from Bill, go to WGA Law. Whether it's scheduling an appointment to speak with Bill or if you want to attend one of Bill's free webinars happening on Wednesday, February 9th. If you want to learn more about asset protection and trust planning, that's happening in the afternoon session. If you want to learn more about uh, long-term care assistance that may be available to you, that's the morning session. They are both free to attend, highly educational. Go to WGALaw.com and click on the Seminars button at the top of the page. A quick break and back with more. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander, and we will be right back.
You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Go to WGALaw.com if you want to learn more about Bill or schedule an appointment to speak with him or if you want to register for Bill's free webinars happening on Wednesday, February 9th. That's the place to go, WGALaw.com. Bill, anything before we go? Well, sure. I mean, part my parting shot is this. If you have a good financial plan, if you have a good estate plan, stay with it. Make it work. See it through. That's wonderful advice. And if you need help setting up a plan or maybe you'd like your plans reviewed, schedule an appointment to see Bill if you want to do that. WGALaw.com is the website or call 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. That'll do it for today. We hope you will join us again next weekend. You've been listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander. Have a wonderful day.